Hey, what's going on? It's Quinn David Furness. Welcome to my show. Quinn David Furness presents the Beantown Podcast for Good Friday, 2023, Friday, April 7th, mid-morning. Got the day off of work. The perks of working for a Catholic school, baby. What's going on? How are you? Uh, if you're following the you know whole Jesus thing on you know the live stream right now, he's kind of getting arrested. He's getting ready to carry that cross up to uh, Mount Sinai. So it's pretty exciting times. And we're going to just kind of wait and see what happens on Sunday morning, the third day, which of course those Jews didn't really know how to count. You got Friday apparently is, is day one for them. Saturday is day two. Uh, Sunday is day three. I wouldn't want to have to take calculus class with those guys, your, uh, your priest or your rabbi or whoever teaches you. My name is Quinn David Furness, and we are coming to you live from the north side of Chicago with Quinn David Furness presents the Beantown Podcast, one of the top 500 podcasts on the north side of Chicago. I am the creator, I am the host, the narrator, the uh, art director, set designer, all that good stuff of this fine program, and welcome into one of our uh, one of our big shows when we always uh, celebrate Easter and Passover and Good Friday and Maundy Thursday. I got a I posted on Instagram last uh, yesterday. You know, Happy Maundy Thursday. Show us your feet pics, and I've gotten two likes from uh, Russian sex bots already. So I think the story might have expired. So we got two likes. The only feet pics were my own, but I'll still cherish them. And uh, you know, they'll be just kind of a nice commemorative memory i would think c-o-m-m-e-m-o-r-a-t-i-v-e commemorative it's a nice friday mid-morning here it's actually not it's not warm out but we got a heat wave coming next week we kind of we had some like tornadic warm weather with crazy clouds and gusts early this week and now we're back into a small cold spell and then we're going to be going back and not back but we're going to be getting as hot as it's been all year next week like 70 75 something like that so today we're kind of the nader of the weather n-a-d-i-r ralph nader um but it's the the sun is out my plants getting some good action uh, and the windowsill in the kitchen, we got the Cubs are back in town. They haven't played in two days. They had two days off, one because of a cancellation in Cincinnati and then a, a scheduled off day yesterday. They're playing the Texas Rangers at home today, a little interleague intercourse. We're going to have Alex Rodriguez, Pudge Rodriguez. What I was saying before we got cut off by GarageBand, maybe Nolan Ryan will be in the box seat. So lots of things to be excited for. Uh, first first call to action for the Beanheads today, name five Texas Rangers in history. That should keep you busy for a little while. Let's see, off the top of my head, we got well, Coach Ron Washington. He was their manager both years. They uh, went to the World Series. What was that, 2010, 2011, back-to-back years? They lost to the Cardinals and probably the Giants. Must have been one of those Giants years. Uh, let's see. I already mentioned Alex Rodriguez, Pudge Rodriguez. I, well, actually, did Alex Rodriguez play for the Rangers? I know he played for the Mariners. Um, we'll do, we'll count that as one and a half. You got Michael Young was their uh, really strong second baseman for a while. Oh, the the drug addict, um, Josh, Josh, what's his name? 
I'm going to give myself half a point for that. He was he was a really good player for a while. He might have even won MVP. I can't remember. And then he was a drug addict, so it was kind of kind of up and down, kind of kind of weird. Other great Texas Rangers. I don't know, Chuck Norris, not sure. We'll come back to that if I think of anything. But you all didn't tune into our Easter slash Good Friday slash Passover episode to listen to Quinn List, famous Texas Rangers. Nolan Ryan, there's one throughout history. He he played for Texas for a while. He played for Texas and Houston. So good stuff. We were talking, uh, was it just last week with opening day about some great new foods at Globe Life Field there in Arlington. And there was the one, it was one of the Texas ones had the two foot long burger patty with the onion rings on top and then like a hero bun, which looked pretty appetizing, but also one of those things where it's like, once you start to hit the halfway point, you start to feel your chest get a little tight. The arteries are bulging out of your forehead and stuff and you just got to be careful so make sure you wash it down with an adult beverage of your choice preferably something texas themed i don't know are there any like mass breweries uh, or beers that come out of texas there must be and i just don't uh don't know maybe sam houston could be the uh the sister beer to sam adams in uh, beantown i don't know Listener discretion is advised when you're listening to the Beantown Podcast. Number one, we'll occasionally use some language. Number two, this podcast is objectively terrible, but we're going to have some fun today. We've got stuff for all you Jews. We've got stuff for you Gentiles, even the pagans. Pagans, P-A-G-A-N-S. Almost a palindrome are going to have fun. And speaking of palindromes, let's get, before we forget, let's get started right there with today's palindrome of the day. Of course, it's a very religious time so we have to have a religious palindrome and i gotta tell you i've been doing some research i don't know how long we can keep up palindrome of the day uh at least this sort of high quality i mean if you want me to start giving you lame ones like nun or bob or uh a man a plan a canal a panama then you know obviously amateur hour anyone can do that off the top of their head but this you know, coming up with fresh, hot new ones that are interesting, that are thought-provoking, it's a challenge. So today it is Bible Baby Babble Bib. Again, that's Bible Baby Babble Bib. Tower of Babel, a great Elton John tune from the Captain Fantastic in the Brown Dirt Cowboy album. It's party time for the gods in the Tower of Babel. Man on Cain and Abel. Um, if you actually don't know it, not only is that album fantastic, but even that's one of those great albums. And I think you'll enjoy it even if you aren't a diehard Elton fan like me, but that's one of those great albums where even the not super popular songs are just spectacular. I mean, I'm thinking Tower of Babel. I'm thinking Bitter Fingers. That's a killer song. Of course, a lot of you probably know Someone Saved My Life Tonight. That's off of that record, so really good, good one. If you don't know Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy, Cowboy is probably about 40 minutes long. Definitely worth putting on a listen next time you're on your evening walk, perhaps. Could be good. So what else are we doing on the show today? We've already done Palindrome of the Day. We're going to hear from our sponsors in a little bit. It's always great when you have a religious 
themed episode to hear from our friends at the Samson Q2U series, uh, First Kings, Second Kings, Second Chronicles, wherever he showed up, I don't even know. Uh, we're going to be talking traditional uh, Passover Seder uh, dinner and dishes. We're going to break that down for you. And then we got some Easter-themed, uh, Exodus-themed trivia. I got two different questions for you uh, that I think you'll enjoy. So let's jump right into it here so we're not wasting anyone's time. I know it's probably Sunday morning. You're probably, you know, you're at church. You get the notification on your phone. Oh, New Beantown podcast just dropped and you're trying to think, do I go up for communion? Do I... Uh, do I go out in the back? Like I, you know, I got a crying baby or something, except it's the Beantown podcast, which sometimes I am like a crying baby, but usually, uh, slightly less composed. You're making a tough decision. Do you listen to Beantown or do you, you stick to church? So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this. You can do both. Just find one of those, you know, church services, like old rock church. That's, you know, two hours long or something like that. Or one time we went to, it was a Baptist church. We had family friends who, uh, their the 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 God had three in one. The patriarch was the like I think the main preacher there. I'm not sure. It was maybe on the west side of Rockford or like downtownish on the east side. I can't really remember. But we went to those. We were in an exploratory church phase for you know it was basically our version of the 40 years wandering in the desert, and we went to a whole bunch of different churches, which in hindsight is just. Uh, I won't say like that's crazy. It's just wild that every Sunday it was like pull up the map, pick a church, let's try this one. We must have gone to I don't know, 75, 80 different churches. No, that's not right. But probably at least like I don't know, 5, 6, 7 different ones in the span of a couple months. But we went to this one. It was a Baptist church. I think it's the only time I've ever gone like legit been there the whole time to a Baptist church service. Um and it was uh it was just what you would uh, expect from a Baptist church service. There's a lot of music. There's like an hour of music to start, and you're thinking, oh, maybe this is one of, maybe this is like a cool church that only does music. There's not going to be announcements. There's not going to be a skit from the youth group. There's certainly not going to be a full-length sermon that breaks down chapters 5 through 10 of Exodus or anything like that, right? Wrong. You're getting, you're getting all of it. When you go to a Baptist church service, you're getting the full-length concert, you're getting the full-length sermon, you're getting all the good stuff, except I don't recall, I don't know if the Baptists are as big on communion. That's the one thing that the Catholics got going. Without fail, and you know when it's coming in the program, it's a long program, but you know when it's coming, you get your your bread, your wine. If you go to one of the you know richer suburbs, you might get you know a really nice Cabernet Sauvignon. So I, I think the, the Baptists, they got the music, they got the energy, they got the passion. Now we just need to add a little bit more alcohol into the mix. Maybe if the Catholics, if wine is kind of the Catholics thing, maybe the Baptists could go for, I don't know, they could do like rye whiskey or something or scotch if, if they were, you know, Scottish Baptists. I don't know if there's a big Baptist population uh, in the Highlands there, but just things to consider. Look, I'm always especially on our religious-themed shows, I'm always on the lookout to try to... I'm, I'm kind of like a Nathan for you, but for uh, religious entities and organizations specifically. I'll help you evade taxes. I will help you lobby politicians for your... Um, well, no, I won't uh, for certain uh, 
marginalizations, if you will. Speaking of which, the Chick-fil-A, I think, is open now in Wrigleyville, or it's going to be open very soon. And uh, that's a that's going to be a hard no for me, dog. They're doing some strong construction on uh, what's supposed to be the Culver's. So that's really what I'm I'm holding out for. But let's jump back into it here. Let's talk Passover dinners. And we've mentioned this on the Beantown Podcast before. We used to do Passover supper growing up. Uh, as a family and always, you know, uh, you know, growing up, you're just, you know what you're taught, that sort of thing. In hindsight, it was a very kind of strange merging of, of, of cultures, you know, and I guess the, because Passover Seder now is very much like a Jewish thing, Passover dinners in general, but we were, we were very not Jewish. We were very non-denominational Protestant. And I think, the only thing I can really say or, or figure from it is that Jesus, King of the Jews, yes, Jesus was a Jew, did the whole Passover thing, the Last Supper on uh, the Wednesday, uh, you know, your Passover Wednesday, then your Maundy Thursday, then your Good Friday, then your, your Black Friday, and then whatever, the, the Super Saturday, Sweet 16, I don't know what it is, and then you have your Easter Sunday, and Easter Monday, too, apparently. I don't know what... You know, they kind of just wanted to keep the celebration going. I don't really know what happens on Easter Monday. Nothing for me. But uh, so that's why I think we celebrated or or partook in Passover uh, Seder dinner, although we never would have called it Seder dinner. But basically what goes on the plate, we've talked about this, and I'm I'm getting this from the spruceeats.com, so you can check it out. You can read along if you'd like. But it all starts off with the Seder plate. And I think, you know, we were probably using, you know, Daisy brand paper plates back then. But apparently other people have nicer plates that have some fun decorations. It could be three crosses. It could be, you know, a severed head of a lamb to represent, you know, when the angel of death comes to the uh, the the Alexandria or Giza or wherever those Israelites, the Hebrews, were enslaved, Cairo. You could do, you could have, you know, people always say like, oh, I see an image of Jesus in this log or in this piece of toast. Well, you could just do an NFT or something. I don't even, oh, an NFT of a, of Jesus on a plate. Although I don't, I don't know if we were really doing physical NFTs. I think to be an NFT, it has to be sort of digital. Moving ahead here. So to get to the actual dishes here, I thought about doing like a power ranking, but we're just going to go through it, which I think we've done uh, something similar to this uh, on, in previous installments of the Beantown Podcast, which is one of the big issues, you know, as we look at it to the next 100 years of the Beantown Podcast, we have these shows that occur annually, unless they, unless the church decided to do like Easter, kind of like the Olympics, where it's every four years, or you could have, you could have Easter every four years, you could have, um, and then you could switch, you could do another religious holiday. I don't think we could get away with Christmas. I kind of like having that one every year, but something else like the, like the Rock Church Columbus Day Flake football tournament, that could be every four years also, but two years uh, stagnated from, uh, that's not the right word, but you know what I'm trying to say, um, towards uh, two years after Easter. So I don't know if if that's going to be very popular, though. It would mean fewer opportunities for for me to wear my dynamite purple suit 
which I'm going to break out. We'll see how the Catholics feel about that on Sunday, but it's going to happen. So the first dish here is, uh, and I, I'm not trying to mispronounce anything, but I'm not uh, Hebrew. I don't, I don't speak the Yiddish language or anything like that. So first up is karpas, K-A-R-P-A-S. Apparently, this is a vegetable, preferably parsley or celery, representing hope and redemption. It's served with a bowl of salted water or vinegar to represent the tears shed by the Israelites. So if there's there's something, you know, when we're talking about getting started with a nice, hefty meal, if there's something that really gets me uh, hungry for more, it's parsley dipped in vinegar. Now, that if that doesn't wake you up or... Uh, Get you going, get you excited for for the Garden of Gethsemane and all that is to come. You know, ears getting chopped off and smooches on the lips. Did Judas kiss him on the cheek? Maybe he should have kissed him on the lips. I don't know if that would have changed anything, but it could have been pretty spicy. Maybe that's maybe we'll save that for the uh, the uh, Good Friday fan fiction novel that I may or may not be currently working on. But that's how it starts. The carpus. I always remember we would have a sprig of parsley on the plate and it was always kind of like i don't know what i'm supposed to do with this we watch tell you what we watch a lot of cooking shows you're chopped your beat bobby flays lately a lot of cutthroat kitchen and what they'll always tell you if you give them a big sprig a big bunch of parsley on your plate they're just like what am i supposed to do with this and that's how i feel about this opening dish it's only compounded by the fact that uh it's dipped in vinegar apparently plowing ahead here my my Definitely by far my least favorite thing growing up, the maror, M-A-R-O-R, a bitter herb, usually horseradish, there it is, is used to symbolize the bitterness of slavery. Either a piece of fresh horseradish or a spoonful of horseradish is placed on the plate. During the service, a Hillel sandwich is made, oh God, combining the maror with charaset between two pieces of matzah. M-A-T-Z-O-H. I don't know exactly what is, what's the charo set. We haven't talked about that already. Um, but yeah, the nothing says, nothing says a great sandwich. Uh, oh, okay. Char, the charo set is coming. That's the uh, sweet, dark colored paste made of fruits and nuts. That's actually not terrible out of all the things on here. It's probably the most tolerable but nothing says, mm, yeah, I think, you know, Jimmy John's Subway, if you guys are listening to this Chiba Hut, take some notes. This is how you're going to bring those Hebrews in. This is how you're going to bring those Jews in, uh, the Jewish folks up from, you know, uh, West, West Ridge and West Rogers Park and stuff. You need to serve the Hillel sandwich. All It's simple. You just need fruits, nuts, uh, matzah. I guess they call it bread. It feels more like a cracker to me, like a big cracker. And then your horseradish sauce, which you probably already have on hand. So mm, that's pretty delicious. All right, moving ahead here as we continue here. Uh, so we had uh, we mentioned the chara set, which is C-H-A-R-O-S-E-T. This is a mixture of apples or dried fruit, nuts, wine. I got to tell you, when we were growing up, we did not get the wine part, mostly just chopped up apples and nuts in kind of a red red blend or something although i don't know where the red maybe it was just red dye 40 probably had a lot of that growing up and other spices charaset is a reminder of the mortar used by the jews as slaves in the construction of buildings for the pharaoh there's many recipes and variations yeah so that was one of those things we definitely had as part of the passover plate or the seder plate and it was you know kind of like kind of like everything on there 
in terms of being a very small quantity, definitely one of those nights, you know, for cost saving purposes, you don't have to do much grocery shopping. You got a lot of those items on hand already, chopped nuts, apples. So you don't have to, you know, we didn't even have Hillel sandwiches growing up. I'll say this. If you wanted to serve that off to the side, at least we're getting some extra bites in here. But the chara set was really just kind of, it was almost like having dessert as part of your, uh, your Seder plate and not my favorite thing in the world, but I will take it over the horseradish and the, uh, that's strike two for garage band, but finishing or, or continuing on here with our Passover plate, we have something that's very similar sounding and it's spelled almost exactly the same. It's the Chaz Arette. So not, not Chaz Bono, not Sonny Bono. Um, this is the Chaz Surrette. So let's see. It looks like kind of like a leak on a plate, if I can tell you exactly what I'm seeing here. It's nothing uh, nothing particularly appetizing, but it's the second bitter herb. You know, that I always feel that. I always feel that when I make dinner just generally or if, you know, my, my big batch cooking on Monday night. Big bitch cooking could be a new show idea. Uh, or it's a you know a nicer supper we might cook on a Friday. I'm always thinking, you know what we need here? A second bitter herb. So it's a chazaret, a second bitter herb in the form of a bitter green, often romaine lettuce. I would, if we're talking romaine lettuce, you know, we did not have that Passover growing up, but you could start to formulate a nice, think about this, like a chopped salad. If you have the, the other one, the charaset, not the chazaret, but the charaset, I guess it's supposed to be a sound. But that's tough on the throat after a while. The horror set. You got the little, you know, kind of the candied, spiced nuts and apples. Now we're doing some romaine. I would even take a sprig of parsley on the top. You could just very covertly swap out the horseradish with some Hidden Valley Ranch buttermilk dressing. Now we're talking. You get a little protein in there. I don't know how the Hillel sandwich really fits in here. I think I'll necessarily do fish. Um, at, you know, like a dried fish. I think if you have like a nice like tuna steak or something, if you sear that just medium well, oh, that would be delicious. Now we're talking, but a lot of us didn't get romaine lettuce growing up. Or endive is the other example of a second bitter herb that they mentioned. That might be what's on the plate here because I don't know what I'm looking at. Endive, E-N-D-I-V-E. It, we're learning something. Is a leaf vegetable belonging to the genus, okay, yada, 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 I don't think this is something you can really find. There's a Belgian endive, something you can't really find at your Trader Joe's, but you can check anyways, maybe for Passover week. I don't know. Um, Some families will include it, uh, include it as such on the cedar plate, Seder plate. Well, also Lebanon's of Seder, uh, Seder's of Lebanon. Well, others will use horseradish twice. So that's, you know, if you have to decide between a, a nice fresh endive or horseradish twice, I'd probably go with the nice fresh endive just to, you know, because horseradish twice is just, that feels lazy. I don't know about you guys. Uh, plowing ahead here, pizza, not pizza, pizza with a B, B-E-I-T-Z-A-H, a roasted egg. This was something I don't think we had growing up. I do not recall the roasted egg. And I would have remembered it because if, if mom would have said, yeah, we're having pizza for dinner, I would have said, all right, I'll have sausage, pepperoni, double cheese, please. No, this is this is pizza, she would say. A roasted egg symbolizes life and the perpetuation of existence. You can use a hard-boiled egg or roast the egg in its shell. Okay, now they're giving cooking instructions. Not important. Dip it in salt water also. There's a lot of Jewish tears 
as part of this. I think we should, what if we, you know, this is a very salty thing. You can still have some of your salt, your vinegar, dipped parsley, all that stuff, but we need some sweet as well. And I know we get some of that from the candies or the, uh, the apples and the nuts, but I'm thinking what if there was like a big, a big jawbreaker as part of Seder dinner as well. It could be on the plate, kind of its own thing. You could decorate it. You could, you know, paint it like you paint your eggs. I don't know. I think just something new or like some Jolly Ranchers or something. Uh, we're almost done here. The Zeora, Z-E-R-O-A-H. Traditionally, Zeroa is a piece of roasted lamb shank bone symbolizing the pa- paschal sacrificial offering in the outstretched arm of God. If it is difficult to find a lamb bone, you can use a poultry neck or wing, and you're supposed to roast it. So here's the thing. You're supposed to roast it at 375 in the oven for about 30 minutes, but it's not eaten, obviously. It's a lamb shank uh, bone. So what's the point? Like At this point, I'm getting concerned with the Hebrews because you're using all that energy to fuel your you know, clay pot ovens or whatever they used back in the day. And we could be using that to power, you know, send our kids to schools, invest in, you know, green energy. You could, you know, just not do it. I don't know. So kind of, you know, they don't seem to be that big on like sustainability and and green stuff. So, well, there's a lot of green stuff on the plate, but I guess beyond that. So other symbolic foods that you might find on your Seder plate, matzah, of course, traditional unleavened bread. Uh, We would always have, I don't know if. You know, would you? I don't remember it specifically being called matzah that we would have grown up, but we would have oftentimes. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. I don't have to tell you exactly what that is. I think we all understand. It's very uh, flavorless. I think if I had like some chocolate syrup or something, or here's the thing: if you want to fry an egg, if we you want to fry your pizza rather than just roasting it in the oven. You fry an egg, you throw on maybe maybe some bacon. I don't know if the Hebrews were big on, you know, pork. Um, or, you know, it could be like turkey sausage or something. I, I'm sure they had turkeys in Egypt. You know, you could you could all fry that up and then I don't know. It's uh it's not gonna be quite as nice as a brioche kind of buttered roll. So what if we, you know, let's sub out here's the real Hillel sandwich. Sub out the matzah, get a nice buttered brioche or ciabatta, C I A. B-A-T-T-A, ciabatta, some nice turkey sausage rendered in pork fat, so it's like all the guilt without the calories. You can, uh, we mentioned fry an egg, you might fry two eggs on there. Maybe a nice thin, two thin slices of avocado, usually you get the big chunks, but this could be nice to get you a little bit of flavor. Uh, You know, it it would go well with the fat of the uh, rendered pork grease, add some more fat to it. And, and of course, the butter, which is good. And that's now we're cooking. That's really a Hillel sandwich. So, f- capping off our Seder supper here, Jimmy John's, Subway, uh, Jersey Mike's, Firehouse Subs, whoever is listening to this looking for their next great product idea, call it the Hillel sandwich. But don't even, you know, it, you just make it good. Um, and if, if anyone complains or they're like, is this kosher? You just say, yeah, it was blessed by. Uh, Rabbi Jersey Mike, okay, because he got ordained earlier. So there you go. Or Jared from Subway or Jimmy John himself, founded in uh, Illinois somewhere, right? I think it's from like Bloomington. 
So there's our, our Seder rundown here on the Beantown Podcast, a brand new segment that I think we did last year as well. I want to shout out our sponsors uh, as we plow ahead here and finish up with some trivia. Home Pride Oregon, are you tired of selling your house for less than a quarter of what it's worth, all because you couldn't find a reliable home inspector in time? Well, Oregon listeners, I got good news for you. Home Pride Inspection Services in Bend, Oregon is Central Oregon's <sighs> just new, that's uh, hottest, C-H-O-T-T-E-S-T, new home inspection provider. With inspection services, including things like heating and cooling, roofing, plumbing, and so much more. And guys, if you're hosting a big Easter brunch blowout, you're going to need to make sure your HVAC is up to par. Uh, Home Pride Oregon is both contractor certified and home inspection certified, so you know you're getting the good stuff. If you're tired of big real estate's wrangle hold on the home inspection market, and you want a safe, certified home inspector you can trust, not like those dang Romans, Pontius Pilate, Herod, all those bad guys, Judas Iscariot. You don't see a lot of la- last name Iscariots. Uh, you know, I see a lot of like law school applications. You get a lot of the Williams, Smiths, Jones, not a lot of Iscariots. We might be able to bring that back. Uh, call Steve at 541-410-0316 or you can visit HomePrideOregon.com. Again, that's 541-410-0316 or visit HomePrideOregon.com. Home Pride Oregon inspection perfection. And this Easter Sunday, I want to give a special shout-out to Samson, the Philistines, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, all the great Old Testament heroes of yore. It's a great word to use, Y-O-R-E. From Genesis to Exodus, of course, we're going to be talking Exodus in a hot second here with one of our first trivia questions. Numbers, Deuteronomy, and all the old classics. When God speaks, he uses Samson. And did I mention the crisp, clear audio quality? Finally, Bob and Weave, we all know the hairstyle and we all love it, but how many Chicago-based independent barbers can actually give it to you the way you deserve? Enter Cuts by Q. It's a little like Enter Sandman, just different. Cuts by Q has been independently owned and operated since 1995 and is probably one of the better barbershop operations serving Chicago, Cook County, Northwest Indiana, and the greater Chicagoland area. From beehives to bangs, fallhawks to flat tops, and everything in between called Cuts by Q, uh, no, well, yeah, you can uh, probably go to voicemail. Uh, a lot of I've been getting a lot of spam calls lately. You know, sometimes I pick up and I will play like a cool song on YouTube, and they just sort of hang up. And I'm like, man, if I was going through the effort to make calls, I would at least want to, you know, listen to some John Mayer free falling live at, uh, you know, City Field or something. But I digress. I've been on a John Mayer kick lately. Or you can email cutsbyq at yahoo.com. That's cuts, Q-U-T-Z, by Q at yahoo.com. Oh, when you need a fresh do, something snappy and new, just call the experts at Cuts by Q. And here's your annual reminder that Peter Cottontail is a total banger. Here comes Peter Cottontail. Hopping down the bunny trail, hippity hoppity Easter's on his way. He's got toys for boys and girls. Hop aboard his bunny trail, hippity hoppity, let's have a good day. He's got shotguns for Billy and some eggs for Sister Sue. He's hopping with a vengeance, so you better... Sleep with one eye open. Oh, here comes Peter Cottontail. Gunning down the bunny trail. Hippity hoppity Easter's on its way.
a classic. Children love it, especially in uh, Tennessee. Easter Bunny with a gun. There's a something to put in your chat GPT. I feel like chat GPT is just like in the last two weeks, two, three weeks. It's like all I see, not all I see, but I've just seen so much of it, whereas before I never even heard of it. It's such a such a wild phenomenon. A lot of talk about it in the college admissions world. Okay, we're going to finish up with uh, two trivia questions here. Neither one of them are uh, crazy in-depth or involved. They're pretty kind of uh, just surface level. What you see is what you get. So the first one, excuse me, we oftentimes around this time of year talk about the Ten Commandments, the great film, Ewell Brenner and Charlton Heston. Um, it's 220 minutes long, all that good stuff. But a lot of people, I think, don't know this. So we know the Ten Commandments, 1956, epic religious drama film, obviously, directed by the incomparable Cecil B. DeMille, maybe almost a palindrome. But what I'm saying is a lot of people don't know is that it's actually a remake of a 1923 silent film, which was kind of like the 1956 one, but just slightly lesser in scope. So my question to you is who directed, and it's a legendary director, who directed the 1923 silent film also called the 10 commandments the one we know, the one that's played on ABC or used to be probably Apple TV now, um, from 1956. Uh, that was directed by Cecil B. DeMille. But who uh, who directed the 1923 silent film? So there's your first one. The second one, we'll, we'll do our answers after the second question here. Second one is more Easter-themed and less Exodus-themed. So... It's more geography, okay, geography, history, that sort of thing. So here we go. European explorer, and I looked it up, he was Dutch, but it's someone I don't know. European explorer Jacob Rogeveen, R-O-G-G-E-V-E-E-N, discovered this southeast Pacific island on April 5th, 1722. And I want to... I want to be very clear when I say discovered. I'm saying he's the first European person to lay eyes in recorded history to lay eyes on the island. People have been living in this place uh, since like 800 A.D. or something. So Jacob Ragavin on uh, April 5th, 1722, became the first European to set eyes on this South Pacific island. So there are your two trivia questions. Uh, I think that second one is, is either like, I have no idea what you're talking about or, oh, I know what the theme of this podcast is so I can come up with it. The first one is a little bit of a trick question and I don't usually like to do trick questions. So I apologize, but I think the film buffs out there would be able to call it right away. So the answer to question number one, the 1956 or the 1923 silent film, the 10 commandments that the 1956 film would expand upon was directed by this legendary director, and the correct answer, and I hate to do this to you, but it's also Cecil B. DeMille, which is pretty cool. You don't really hear about that any anymore. What if, like, what if uh, Mel Gibson made another Passion of the Christ in ten years, thirty years after the fact? That'd be pretty crazy. Or if like Steven Spielberg wanted to make Minority Report again, or I could have chosen. 
50 other Spielberg films. But the 1923 silent film, The Ten Commandments, was also directed by Cecil B. DeMille. And then our second trivia question here, uh, Jacob Raghavan discovered this Southeast Pacific Island on April 5th, 1722. Um when I say discovered, of course, first European to lay eyes on it. People have been living there long before it was, quote, discovered. Don't have to think too hard. It is a very uh, holy, pious week culminating in Easter Sunday. So the answer is Easter Island because he laid eyes on it on Easter Sunday, 1722. This day in history, 301 years ago plus two days it's april 7th today so there you go there's our bean town podcast for good friday passover maundy thursday easter sunday easter monday easter tuesday more easter than ever i hope you enjoyed it i hope you learned something maybe you learned about uh, endive a new herb that you could introduce to your passover plate maybe you learned uh, when Easter Island was first uh, seen by a European settler or a adventurer, explorer, all that good stuff, whatever you learned, email us, beantownpodcast at yahoo.com. Again, it's beantownpodcast at yahoo.com, and let us know. We'd love to hear from you all, the fans, the listeners, and I'm going to be getting those stickers out to you uh, in the coming weeks, months, years, that sort of thing. I got them. They're ready to go. Uh, I just got to gotta or get organized, Okay. I hope everyone has a great uh, Holy Weekend, Easter Sunday. Don, your your great, you know, big suits and your pastoral, pastoral, pastel colors. And if you got a top hat, this is the time to wear it. Easter Beagle, Charlie Brown, all the good fun stuff. My name is Quinn David Furness. This is my show. Happy Easter to everyone. Hopefully, I'd, I don't think I offended too many religious groups, which is not common for this show. Uh, so I'm going to notch that as a win. Maybe we'll try to shop this to some of the local churches. They could play this instead of a sermon, get the pastor of the week off. Just thinking out loud here. Go out, enjoy the sunshine, and have a nice weekend. Stay safe, stay sane. I'll check in on you next time. Bye. Bye.